I mentioned the Apostle John in 1 John, and I want to read verses 11, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 2 for us this morning. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, this much, we surely ought to love each other, right? No one has ever seen God But if we love each other, God lives in us, and get this, His love is brought to full expression in us. Think about that for a moment. When we love God and when we love each other, that because of what this, because of God's love, His love is brought to a full expression in us. I I don't know what I need to say anymore, right? That's it. God's loved us. And because of all of this that we just celebrated, that we came forward and said we remember um, all of that love comes to a full expression in me and in you. I don't get it. But John tells us in his word, I have a problem. I have a lot of problems. You can talk to Terry. She's got a list. I look at this statement. God's love is brought to us, brought to full expression in us, and I think of myself as pretty selfish at heart. I mean... I'm an introvert. You know, I know it's hard to believe here, but I'm an introvert. I'm, people drain me. I've only got so much bandwidth for people. And when it's gone, it's gone. Um, I get done with my day at work or like get done with this on Sunday morning here. I love you and I love being around you, but then when, by the time we're done here, my bandwidth is gone. And so I go home and eat and take a nap. Um, (laughs) Right? Um, And yet I, God has plopped Terry and I right in this little neighborhood of townhomes where people are like right next to each other. And sharing Jesus with those people is going to take a lot of energy because they're people. You see, when Terry comes home from work or whatever and gets out of the vehicle and there's a neighbor outside, she's over talking to them, getting their names, their birth dates, their favorite color. (laughs) That's right. Go, Terry. I drive into my neighborhood and I park the car and if they're out, I say hi and good to see you. Hope you have a good day. And I'm out. 
Sometimes, to be totally straight up with you, sometimes I try to drive in and maybe they won't see me or we won't catch eyes. And I can get in and get out. And yet, here I read that God's love is brought to full expression in me. Me. I mean, you see it in Terry all day long, right? I mean, it just bubbles out, it oozes. Um, but when I think of me and sometimes my just, I just want to be by myself for a little while. It's going to take energy to love on some other people. This kind of statement gives me hope. And I don't, I don't know, I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> I know there's other introverts out in this audience <laughs> and out in uh, internet land, live streaming land. And some of you who are even more extrovert, do you, if you're going to love on people the way Jesus wants us to love on people, it takes energy. It sometimes takes hard work. But the hope is that God's love is brought to full expression in us. In our journey through 1 Corinthians, we come across this short sentence at the end of chapter 12. Um, and it's two sentences in the last verse of chapter 12, verse 31. It's this, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still more excellent way. And what is that excellent way? We know. Um, it's 1 Corinthians 13. Paul starts talking about love. The more excellent way is Love. See, Paul has just got done, again, talking about the body of Christ. Okay, We're all part of the body. He's given gifts to us. And every person has gifts. Belong, every person belongs to the body. It doesn't matter what your gifts are or gifts aren't. You're part of the body and your gift is needed. And as we talked last week, God appoints some with specific gifts. God appoints but also we're to earnestly desire. It's this crazy thing. Both and. And the most excellent way is that you and I are the full expression of God's love. The Apostle Luke tells a story in his account of Jesus' life. It's a familiar story, and Jesus is out and about, and an expert in the law stands up to test Jesus. And, you know, religious leaders and that kind of stuff, they're trying to test Jesus because Jesus was popular. Jesus had, you know, he was healing people and teaching this amazing stuff. And so the religious leaders and the experts in the law, they had power and position. And along comes this Jesus, and he's kind of, oh, you know, taking over. He's kind of becoming more popular than them. I don't know how popular they were in the first place, but all of a sudden, here, here's Jesus. And so this expert in the law, he stands up to test 
Jesus, and he's trying to get Jesus to make a mistake so they can cut him down. And he asked Jesus this question, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, to be honest with you, the expert in the law already knows the answer. (laughs) Right? It's not that hard, but he already knows the answer. And Jesus, being a good rabbi, a good teacher, and part of the rabbi's tradition was not to give you a straight-up answer. They would ask, they would respond to your question with a question. And a little side note, okay, parents or grandparents, your kids or grandkids come to you with a question, don't give them the answer, ask a question in follow-up. I mean, the strategy is brilliant. It's teaching people how to think. When we straight up give people answers, which is what we all want, right? We just, just give me the answer, right? I'm, I'm tired of this. I just want to know what I'm supposed to believe. I'm just supposed to know what I'm supposed to think. I'm just supposed to, just give it to me. And Jesus and the intelligent way of doing things is to teach people how to think, and one of the ways you teach people to think is not giving them the answer right up. You make them think. And that's what Jesus does here. He replies with a question, and his question is, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Great question, because in this situation, you'll find out the motive of the person asking the question. It's going to come out. And so this expert in the law replies, well, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so the guy knows the Ten Commandments. Probably he's known them since he was about five years of age. Had them memorized. He, he knows. It's a no-brainer. He got it. So Jesus replies, you've answered correctly, go do it. Done deal, right? Wrong. Because remember, the motive of this expert was not to get the answer to his question. It was to test Jesus, to trip him up. And so this crazy guy says, asks this question. And who is my neighbor? Now, he's just, (coughs) he's gone from being the tester to the testee. Because now Jesus is going to come back to him with a story. Another strategy that the rabbis would use is not just give an answer, but tell the story to help you think about the answer. And it's a story we know He's a Jewish man. He's on a journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, which is about a 23-mile distance. So it's about a full day's walk. And the journey from Jerusalem to Jericho is filled with mountains and hills and lots of rocks and cliffs and that kind of stuff. It's, there's lots of places along this journey where people can hide. And so on his journey, he's attacked by robbers. He is beaten. He is stripped. Everything is taken from him. And they leave him half dead on the side of the road. 
So for the expert in the law and for the others listening to this, they, this picture, it's very clear for them. They get it. They, they probably have walked part of that road, if not all of that road. So they know exactly the road that Jesus is talking about. And then Jesus goes, now by chance, a priest happens to walk by. Priest, they're religious leader, again, because his audience is Jewish, because they know priests in the tabernacle, already they've got a picture in their mind of this priest in his robe and his tassels and everything, and the priest passes by on the other side, which is not a surprise to the people either, because they know the priest needs to remain clean. If the priest was to touch a dead body, now he's got to go through the whole cleansing ceremony and be out of his job for a week or whatever it is, all the rules and regulations. I mean, the expert in the law knows all this stuff, but he it makes sense. Yes, the priest would walk by the other side. We can't have our priest get unclean, right? Likewise, a Levite, does the same thing. And a Levite is, is one, of, one of the 12 tribes. Levi, that's the tribe where the priests come from. So what distinguishes specifically this man, the Levite, from a priest? Jesus doesn't say. It just says a Levite. So, but the point is, it's another person who can't get dirty. So it makes sense that this man would walk by. Then, as we know, Jesus now throws the curveball. Here it comes. Next came a Samaritan. And we know Samaritans are of a different culture and a different race from the Jews. They're half-breeds, as some of them would think of it, because they're half-Jews and half-Gentiles. The Jews saw them as dogs, saw them as worthless, maybe not even totally human. They were definitely not chosen. And this Samaritan walks by, and Jesus says, when he saw him, he had compassion It seems to me the Levite and the priest would have had compassion. But their concern was for being clean. Their image. This compassion the Samaritan had was a compassion that led him to action. Because, as we know, he bound up his wounds. He poured oil and wine on his wounds so that they would be cleansed. He put them on his own donkey and brought him to an inn in the next town and took care of him. Then the next day, which... If you think about the next day, that means this Samaritan also spent the night with this man, which is something we sometimes forget. We think that he just brought him to the inn and left. No, he brought him to the inn, took care of him, spent the night, the next day, 
He gave the innkeeper some money and said, take care of him, I'll be back and I'll settle the account when I come through. Jesus then follows up this story with this question, which one of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Checkmate. Walk-off home run. At the buzzer, winning shot. Done. Of course, the man (laughs) knows. He says it's the one who showed mercy. He gets it. And he also gets that, once again, you can't test Jesus. You can't try to trick him up, and Jesus then commanded him, and I believe those around him, you go and do likewise. So my question for us today, if God sent his son Jesus out of his great love for us while we were still sinners to die for us so that we could be reconciled with God... And we are, are, that God's love is brought to full expression in us. Shouldn't we love our neighbors? So, how then do we express God's love to our neighbor? I mean, when you're going down the road, like if you picture for. The Samaritan, he's walking down the road, it's his journey, whatever it was that he was going to. What's, what are you going to? Is it work? Is it school? Is it going to hang out with friends? Is it the grocery store? Do you see the person on the side of the road? Or are you like me? <laughs> Drive in, hope they don't see me. Are you willing to be like the Samaritan and sacrifice your time, your money, your resources to help your neighbor? And who is your neighbor? It could be the homeless, the poor. It could be a person of a different race than yours. It could be somebody from the LGBTQ community. I I could go on. Do you see the person on the side of the road? When you go home today, I'm going to ask that you take time with your household, whatever it looks like, just talk about it. Who's, who, who's my neighbor? How does God want me to express his love that is a full expression within me to others? This, this full expression, it's not just supposed to remain here. It's supposed to ooze out to those around us. What would it be like 
if Crossroads Church was known as a place that sees the people on the side of the room. It's messy. You're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to become unclean. You're going to lose some of your money, some of your time. But if my God loved me enough, while I was still a sinner, to send his son Jesus to die on the cross so I could be reconciled with him, shouldn't I be willing to love my neighbor? Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you for loving us while we were still sinners. For sending your son to die on the cross for our sins. Help us, Father. We need help in how we express love to our neighbor. We, we need help with that. Guide us, direct us as individuals, as families, as households, as a body. as we desire to express love and compassion to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.